Well, this is a, a season of the goodness of God as we prepare for Christmas and uh, begin this Advent season here together. And it is good to uh, do so with all of you here this morning. Uh, and speaking of this being a season of joy, uh, we're, uh, we're kind of getting ready in a joyful way uh, at the Andav household for Christmas. Uh, we've we had a chance right after Thanksgiving to go out and cut our tree and get that all put up and decorate the house. And uh, uh, Simeon's been uh, helping me with uh, lights outside and uh, just all the Christmas festivities. And uh, it's, it's truly a, a, a season of joy. And especially now that Simeon is getting on four years old, uh, he's starting to kind of show excitement and, uh, and joy for the things of Christmas, starting to kind of understand what all is going on, what we're celebrating and he can recognize the tree and the lights and the music, and we can talk about what all that means and such. In fact, uh, because I was kind of excited to share these things with him, uh, this year I did something unthinkable, and I started listening to Christmas music in November. Now, I'm not talking like the day after Thanksgiving, mind you. I'm talking like early November, so just forgive me for that. I broke my own rule. But I wanted it to share it with Simeon and have him kind of start to understand the music and, and know it and uh, be able to recognize it in church and elsewhere. Uh, and I, I love seeing that joy that I see from Simeon towards Christmas. It makes me even more joyful and excited myself. Uh, but as I thought about that, I, I also kind of realized, especially kind of seeing the contrast between a child's view and an adult view of Christmas, how it becomes so much easier as an adult to lose that joy of Christmas. For all the pressures and things that are going on around us to try to steal our Christmas, so to speak. Uh, we know there's lots of hustle and bustle going on. There's extra things to do. There's just busyness in general at, at, uh, at stores and our lives and all of the above. Now, just to kind of help understand what all we're doing at Christmas, just curious to do a little show of hands of what you're planning to do here. Uh, show of hands, how many of you are planning to attend a Christmas party of some sort? All right, good chunk of you. Uh, who's hosting a Christmas party this year? A few of you, very nice. Uh, traveling, anybody traveling to go somewhere for Christmas? Not that many, okay, all right. Uh, anybody have a year-end work deadline that they have to finish up here for Christmas? Oh, more hands than last night. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, I have to ask, uh, anybody done with their Christmas shopping? Okay, a few of you. Nicely done. We're all, we're all happy for you. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, even just thinking about those handful of activities that are pretty common at Christmas time, we can all agree there's a lot of stuff to do, isn't, it? isn't there? I came across a study, too, from Mayo Clinic about holiday stress, and they kind of pulled out three very specific things that stress people out at the Christmas season. First one, 51% of people surveyed said that giving gifts is what stressed them out. So trying to figure out the right gifts to get, actually getting those gifts, giving those gifts, that's that whole process. Uh, even higher percentage, 69% of people said that it was a lack of money at Christmas time that caused them stress. The struggle of trying to make sure they had money to cover all the gifts and and extra things to, to buy and food and all that type of thing. Fits well with last week. 
And then this one fits well with this week. 69% of people also said it was a lack of time that stressed them out at Christmas. Boy, doesn't that fit with what we think about today of the schedule, our schedule stealing our Christmas joy and how all of these things to do when we look at the to-do list and wonder what when am i going to actually get all these things done when there's all these extra things going on too how am i going to manage that well that's kind of what we're talking about with this story about moses uh, that we're going to walk through together uh, a story in exodus 18. Uh, it's set in this uh, time when moses and israel are out in the wilderness uh, they've left Egypt just shortly before. They were in slavery there in Egypt, and now they're wandering through the wilderness uh, following this great deliverance by God. But unfortunately, we find out that in the midst of this, these people are still human beings, and so there's disputes between the Israelites. In fact, it's a backlog that goes way back to Egypt, uh, because even back in Exodus 2, there's this account of two Israelites fighting one another arguing with one another and so moses has become the judge to kind of work through all of these cases and and uh, figure out who wins each and every case and here's what it says as it this account begins it says the next day moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people and they stood around him from morning till evening so moses is working some long hours he's basically working every hour of light in the day from sun up to sundown. And not only that, but it sounds like people are just kind of crowding around him. They're standing around, staring him down and saying, when are you going to hear my case? People aren't happy. I can imagine Moses also isn't very happy in this situation. It actually reminds me a lot of uh, my first Black Friday working for Best Buy back in Minnesota. And I remember coming into the parking lot about 4 a.m. and uh, seeing something like this, a line wrapping around the building pretty much. And as I walked into the store to begin my shift, I just kept thinking about all the, the things that were going to happen that day. And then I remember the doors opening and people rushing in to get the doorbusters with their tickets and those things disappearing in just a matter of minutes. And then I remember, too, the amount of people who were disappointed and even angry because they stood in line, even some that camped out and didn't get the thing that they had waited in line for because there's only a limited quantity. These people weren't happy. They were disappointed. They were angry. They were stressed out. I was stressed out as, a, as an employee. And to imagine I did that for 10 years still after that. I don't know what I was doing. I'm glad I'm here. But this is basically what's happening with Moses. He's worn out. The people are worn out. Nobody is happy in this situation. In fact, if you want some numbers to put to this, uh, it is estimated that at this time, when this, is, this uh, scripture is written, Israel had about 2 million people in its population, which equaled out to probably around 530 lawsuits Per day that were coming toward Moses. Needless to say, something had to change. The stressors were all around. And so Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, steps in and talks to Moses about this situation. 
When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Now we see the real issue. Moses almost becomes a little bit defensive here at Jethro's question. He's got this big workload, but he feels like, hey, I, I got to handle this myself. This is, this is my job. Almost, you can see a little bit of an ego trip going on. Moses is saying, oh, oh people need me. I'm the only one really competent to hand out God's decrees to the people in these cases. Jethro certainly recognizes this. So it continues, Moses' father-in-law says, what, what, are you, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Now Moses, his solution to all of these cases was to just stay busy, to just try to see and hear as many cases as possible throughout the day, from sunup to sundown. But he's just wearing himself out. It's not healthy for him. It's not working out because he's not going to get through the backlog of cases. When you've got 530 new cases coming at you a day, you're not going to make it. And this is really the issue that, that many of us struggle with. Whether it's a, a, a packed full schedule or a long to-do list or just extra activities that happen naturally at Christmas time. It's easy for these things to wear us out, to wear us down, to stress us out. And it doesn't make us happy, and it won't make those around us happy either. Whether we realize it or not, it's so easy for a busy schedule to steal our Christmas joy. So that leads me to become Captain Obvious for a second and say busyness is not good. While that's a very obvious statement, it needs to be said because so many of us find it easy to wear busyness actually as a badge of honor. For example, have you ever been asked the question, how are you? And your answer was, busy. It's a badge of honor. Being busy can easily turn into our, our source of identity. It can make us feel important. And it's as if the, the more activities I'm involved in, the more things I do, the more productive, so to speak, I am, the more worthwhile I am. But this is a morally bad thing. Busyness for busyness sake is not what God wants. Just go to the, the 23rd Psalm and hear the words of David, the psalmist, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. God guides us to rest. He, he leads us, refreshes us, makes sure we lay down in restful places. That's because when we rest, we are restored. 
when we rest, we have a chance to focus on the reason for Christmas, why we have all these activities and festivities and different things we do. It's in rest we can once again find our value, our identity from God. When we come to worship, when we're in God's word, when we have that peace in the midst of our busyness, we can recognize the truth of how our God loves us and sent his Savior Jesus as a baby in the manger. But not only is busyness not good, but when you think about it, I'll take it a step further and say that busyness and out-of-control schedules actually are also counterproductive. It's easy to wear yourself out as Jethro's father-in-law, or as Moses' father-in-law put it. Now, I can speak from experience. I'm somebody that's always been pretty productive, and I was in school always someone that got assignments in early and different things. But I can also say that that kind of, uh, that kind of mindset can easily make you be counterproductive. Because when you try to get everything done and pack everything full and you never take time to rest and feel like you can never take a break, you'll just find yourself being less productive. Because you're exhausted. Because you can't, you don't have a, a clear mind. Being less busy actually equals being, being more busy actually equals being less productive. I found a study that shows this, a study of U.S. employers that said $136 billion was lost a year on low productivity of its workers. And 84% of that number was lost productivity of workers while they were at work. I think a lot of that is because you can't work productively. You can't fulfill your, your, your job if you're tired, if you don't rest, if you just think it all depends on you. I actually came across this too uh, on the internet here this week. It's a dialogue between God and humans. And I think it sums this up pretty, way, pretty well. God says, on the seventh day I rested. It was very good. Humans, oh, I work so hard. I'm so good at working. Let's talk about work, baby. Work, 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 work. Mental breakdown. Humans, no response. And God says, hello again. That's because God knows, as we see in our scripture, as we can learn throughout the Bible, rest is a, a moral necessity, it's a physical necessity, it's a psychological necessity, it's an emotional necessity, it's a spiritual necessity. It's an Advent necessity, if you want to put it that way. It's a Christmas necessity. It's a necessity to rest so that we can focus on Jesus at Christmas, not on our schedules. So that we don't focus on the preparations and the 50 other things we do, but instead make sure we take time to celebrate our Savior and make it all about him. Now Jethro, he tells Moses to select some men who could share the, the, the workload. And likewise, God guides us as well to take the necessary steps to stop the busyness and begin to rest. We just go back to Psalm 23. It's phrased very clearly. It says, God, the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. 
God is saying that he will provide those opportunities to rest. He will, he will help us to share our burdens with him, even when it seems like we can't find a single moment to rest. I point your, attentions to, your attention too, to Ephesians 2. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The only truly important thing that has ever been done in history was accomplished by Jesus. It's our salvation. No matter how busy you are, how much you work, how much you do, we can't do anything for our salvation. If that's not an invitation, I don't know what is to simply rest in what Jesus has done for us. To rest because God became flesh to be born in a manger to rest just like you and me, to be a human being who modeled that throughout his life all the way to the cross to provide grace that we so desperately need. And so this is why Christmas is meant to be a joyful time. Joy that Jesus brought us that salvation. Joy that God offers us and and it guides us to rest in the midst of our out-of-control schedules and to-do lists. And so don't let anything steal your joy at Christmas, steal your Christmas away. Instead, rest and focus on Jesus, your Savior and Lord, who was born to you in a manger. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, uh, we, uh, we pray to you today, giving you thanks for making us rest, for providing those opportunities, for, for guiding us uh, to uh, focus on your son, Jesus Christ, who was born to us at Christmas and uh, really uh, who is the only one we need. The only thing we need to do to celebrate uh, is to uh, worship Jesus Christ. Lord, guide us to do that and to take those times of rest and to continue to focus our faith on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.